Psalm 119, I'll get there. It's only a short chapter. Um, Psalm 119 and verse 162 to introduce. So I'll take a while for you to turn to there. (laughs) Psalm 119 and verse 162, just to, uh, to start out. Just a very short verse. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Um, I'm starting this because, um, you know, the, the title of the talk is Our Shepherd, and I'll get to there. But this is, you know, uh, just, uh, and we'll read some more further down the track, that uh, the testimonies, both that we've heard today, is um, are exposed a little bit to other church, another church, um, may have told bits and pieces about the Bible, um, but it didn't really sink in. It really wasn't. They're still searching for something. And when they came to a meeting and received the Spirit, and it's just that, I rejoiced at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. And I, I remember when I first came to a, my first Revival Fellowship meeting, um, it's just something in, my, in me was just so excited to know that people came together and they were reading the Bible. Um, it, I was just so happy. Um, I rejoiced because I've also been to a few other groups where um, it was just nothing. There was, uh, there was no great like, feeling of great spoil or treasure, you know, uh, of great price. And, of course, we'll read uh, a little parable later about that. And so, now how was this leading into our, uh, our shepherd is that God puts something in us to react, to, to have that joy and rejoice at his word as someone like a gold prospector or something finds great spoil. Um, God put that in us at the start uh, for us to be attracted to uh, the word and attracted to a people that, uh, that follow the word. So over to uh, Matthew chapter 5, another little verse, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and just one verse, verse 6. So I'll just give it a drink. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. And it says here, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So another aspect is uh, before knowing about the Spirit, before uh, even knowing about the truth, there's this hunger that we have. Um, And if you're hungry after fasting for a long time, like three or four hours, uh, you've just, anyway, a long time, <laughs> being silly there. Um, and there's food and it's just so nice, isn't it? Ah, oh, such a relief to get that food into your stomach. And so, it, and this is the analogy that Jesus is making, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, just yearning for it so that then when you're exposed to the righteousness, there's such joy and you rejoice, this great spoil, this valuable thing that you want to consume. And, uh, and that's the thing is like, uh, that I've been thinking about a bit lately is we want to find those that are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. If people are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, there's something that God's put in them that they would react 
to what we say. Uh, look at your own testimony. Look at your own walk. Look at what happened uh, to you when someone spoke to you about that. It's, uh, you reacted because and, uh, and, you had that hungering and that thirsting, and the Lord wants to fill us. Over to our chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13. And verse 44, Matthew 13, and verse 44. We have here, again, okay, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, or beautiful or valuable pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So this is a parable that Jesus is uh, using to describe that uh, those that are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, those that uh, rejoice at his word as if finding great spoil, then change their life. They sell all they have, you know, they, they leave their past behind and whatever they had, their ideas, their uh, tarot cards and crystals, they leave all that behind and sell it all, uh, figuratively or literally, <laughs> so, and, and grab hold of this uh, new pearl of great price, this, uh, this great treasure. And so it's... Uh, that hungering and thirsting for a change, for righteousness. I want to follow righteousness uh, that God put in us at that first time. And so what I'm trying to do here through these uh, verses is for us just to look back at how we felt and how we thought when we heard about the truth and uh, those feel- feelings we had uh, of, wow, this is special. Nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered at all. I want this thing that's so special that I've been hungering and thirsting after. Over to our Mark, chapter 6. Mark, chapter 6, and verse 31. I'll turn the heater on for a blast again a little later. Seems to be the best way. The back one seems to work a bit better than the one at the front in that way. Um, Mark, chapter 6. And verse 31, and it says here, And he, being Jesus Christ, said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. So this desert place means deserted, means uh, where there's nobody else. Okay? It doesn't mean that it's a dry desert. Uh, it could well be uh, full of trees and beautiful hills and green grass and flowing waters. It's just there's no people there. Okay? Come away for a while. Jesus is saying to those that are following him, look, just come away for a little while. Somewhere quiet, you know, just have a break. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. So Jesus, knowing our frame, wanted them to sit back and just have a rest um, from all this uh, coming and going and just have some leisure and also have something to eat. Verse 32, and they departed into this desert place by ship privately. They snuck away 
And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. How about that? <laughs> Looking for a break. I'm worn out. I just need some space. You know, uh, I just need that. And still, people just uh, want to be with Jesus. They know he's a special man. And just out, even get to this place before they, uh, they arrive by ship. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people. And I don't know, but maybe his heart sank. <laughs> It's like, oh, I needed a break. Maybe, maybe. But it says here, he was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. He kept at work. He kept going. And when the day was now far spent, it's night time. And they're in a desert place, remember, an isolated place. His disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far spent. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And then after that, an amazing miracle where they, uh, uh, Jesus uh, fed uh, all these people. I can't remember how many there were, but they had five loaves and two fishes, 5,000 men there, and uh, amazing miracle. Um, and so, but the point here is that Jesus wanted to have a rest, but the people needed him. Okay, they needed him. And Jesus had compassion. He understood that human beings, we're the same. We're the same as these people 2,000 years ago. We were like sheep without a shepherd. Okay? And, uh, and so Jesus saw that as a priority. He only had three and a half years to talk about the kingdom of God. And said, so, like, I need to be a shepherd to these sheep that are going astray. Okay? And those that have a little bit of a farming background, sheep don't do too well on their own. Um, they are gregarious. And uh, as a flock, they, uh, they work a lot better. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, as a flock, they can do some pretty silly things. Something uh, Dad often refers to, you can have this paddock and there's a hill in the paddock and then there's uh, scrub, shade to one side, it's a stinking hot day. The whole flock of sheep will camp on top of the hill instead of camping in the shade. <laughs> so as a flock, they could do silly things, but they need a shepherd, don't they? As a flock, they still need a shepherd. They're going astray. And so Jesus had compassion and, yeah, Sheep aren't the brightest animals on earth. Uh, and Jesus is making that comparison to us. That, hey, look, we humble yourselves and realise that you are like a sheep. You are, <laughs> okay? Don't try to elevate yourself any higher. You are a sheep and we need a shepherd. And when we were hungering and thirsting after righteousness, we were pining for this shepherd. We wanted a shepherd to guide us. Uh, to guide us in the truth. And when we saw that, we recognised it as great spoil. And uh, we go to uh, John chapter 10 as the logical uh, place to go to from there, or here, John chapter 10. And verse 1. John chapter 10. A bit of reading here. John chapter 10. And verse 1. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. Such a wonderful four words there. His, well, uh, the sheep hear his voice, five words. Um, and that was us, you know, wandering astray, and we heard lots of things. I know definitely in my case, I, went, I remember going to quite a few different churches, um, Pentecostal churches as well, people where they were spirit-filled. The, uh, the pastor was spirit-filled. I heard people speaking in tongues. I saw people falling over. Saw people being baptised by full immersion. Um, also other ones where they didn't do that. Uh, and it was just white noise. It didn't make any sense. And, uh, but when fir- my very first Revival Fellowship meeting, this is it. I couldn't believe it. So it's like I was a sheep and I heard his voice and, uh, and recognised it as the the shepherd to follow. So I'll read that again, verse 3. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. It doesn't happen so much in Australia, but I'm sure you've seen footage, especially in the Middle East, of the shepherd walking in front of his sheep. I remember as a kid... um, and I asked Dad why the neighbours did this. But some people were driving their ute and uh, the flock of sheep followed the ute. Yeah, uh, I remember neighbours doing that, but we never did it that way. Um, and it says, and a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him. It's like, ah, I don't want, it. I don't want that sort of thing. For they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. So he's the door, but he's also the shepherd. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture, be fed. Sustained, that hungering and thirsting after righteousness will be satiated. Verse 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, whose own the sheep are not. Seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep. I am known of mine. It's reciprocated. Okay, He's chosen his sheep, and the sheep know him. As the Father knoweth me, even so I, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. There'll be a unity there. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. 
No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. There was a division, therefore, again among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, He hath a devil, and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? So in verse 6 it says, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not. There were those, there was a division. Some said he was a a devil, like why do you even listen to him? And others said, no, he can't be a devil because of this. And it's like the people didn't understand because they were not his sheep. Okay? Um, But they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. It was foreign. They were not his sheep. They uh, wanted to follow another shepherd, go another way to destruction. The The thing is, Jesus is the good shepherd. There are other shepherds out there. You know, we see people following all sorts of shepherds around the place and sometimes they jump from one shepherd to the other. But they're not the good shepherd. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He wants to give life and that more abundantly. And so we can see this division that happens and praise the Lord that uh, we recognise the voice of the good shepherd and we recognise as well that difference between the good shepherd and the not good shepherd so we can kind of say nope I'm not following that not good shepherd I'm following this good shepherd and that is Jesus Christ and we acknowledge that uh, he's not a devil he doesn't have a devil he's not mad Uh, wonderful miracles wonderful assurance if we follow him follow Jesus Christ shall I uh, give it another blast feeling it yeah One Peter chapter two. One Peter chapter two. One Peter chapter two and verse twenty-four. First Peter chapter two and verse twenty-four. Um who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, referring to Jesus Christ, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned, uh, sorry, <laughs> now returned unto the shepherd and bishop, or the overseer, you know, basically the same thing, a shepherd, of your souls. Okay? Chose this, of course, it's got the word shepherd in the verse, but you were sheep going astray. Once upon a time, you were. Um, that uh, feeling of isolation, that feeling of confusion, that, feel, that hungering and thirsting, that desire to be filled, that God-sized hole that was empty, we were there. And so the point is, like I said, reflect on that and think, wow, that's where I was and now here I am. You know, I, um, we were sheep going astray, we were lost, but now we are returned. Again, there's that word returned, like reconciled, returned unto the shepherd, where we belong, we're home, okay? And that was a definite feeling I had as well in my first meeting. I had this feeling, I've come home, and it's just amazing. Um, I mean, I used to move around a fair bit, 
And um, after I left, home, uh, left uh, my parents, and it took me a while to figure out what home meant. You know, what's my home? And, uh, and it was basically where all my gear is. You know, like if I fit all my gear in my backpack, then that's where my home is. It's where uh, I'm comfortable, the things I have are with me. And so spiritually speaking, we come here and we're home. We're comfortable. The things we need uh, spiritually are here, uh, where we belong. Uh, we, we can be at rest. You know, that's what you do at home as well. You sleep and you have a nice rest at night time and you wake up in the morning, you have your breakfast and uh, you, you have the food, the spiritual food here as well and the spiritual rest as we have but now returned to our shepherd, our shepherd. It's a belonging, isn't it? It's our shepherd. He's called us his, and we can call him as as well. Uh, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. It says, And he, Jesus Christ, said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Right? So we've established where uh, we were once hungering and thirsting after righteousness, uh, we discovered the joy of the, uh, the word, the, the great treasure, um, discovered, uh, yes, heard the voice of the true shepherd, the one I want to follow. And Jesus says here that, okay, now you want to follow me, you want to follow the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, and he asks us, to uh, take up our cross daily, okay? Now, that's pretty strong language to use. Um, When he says take up his cross, it it means crucify yourself daily. It doesn't mean you you carry a cross around on your back. It means you you die daily for him. (laughs) It's pretty dramatic, isn't it? But what it does, what he's promised, he says, look, if you do that, Spiritually speaking, or not even that, it's more, um, well, yeah, it's a spiritual uh, analogy. Spiritually, you give up your own uh, ways of doing things and you, you die daily. It's like you, you put on the mind of Christ daily and so that what he's saying is you're losing your life. You're losing uh, what's important to you daily and he will save us daily. So it's that promise. And so, yeah, he's using this strong language of being crucified daily. And so every morning you get up, right, okay, today is the day of the Lord. Today is I need to do what God wants me to do daily. Um, And so that's the wonderful thing is like when we look at our whole life ahead of us, it can be a bit daunting, but God's kind of trying to scrunch it down to a daily thing. Okay, daily for this uh, 12 hours of daylight before you go to sleep, daily, um, deny yourself, take up your cross, die daily, lose your life and see what 
the Lord will do and he'll save us and lift us out, uh, lift us up. And that is what uh, his sheep do for the good shepherd. Okay? And, um, I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but um, when I had that great joy and excitement about uh, meeting a people that read the word and saw it as a great treasure and the baptism and being filled with the spirit, I wasn't thinking at that time that, oh, I've got to lay my life down every day. (laughs) It wasn't something that I comprehended. It was all about the joy, like, yeah, here's the shepherd I want to follow. You know, it's all about that. And, uh, And it's just fantastic. And then from there, as we are his sheep, uh, he's laid his life down for us. He asks us to lay his, our life down for him. And uh, praise the Lord, we don't have to do it physically. We do it uh, uh, with our priority list. He suddenly, straight up top, straight up top is our priority to follow him and still continue to have that uh, rejoicing in his word as if you found that great spoil every day. What wonderful thing am I going to find in these pages um, and even I just thought then that uh, that analogy was used, like you find a great treasure in a field and there's a lot of um, overburden. And I'm sure the Lord knew what he was doing when he was designing the Bible. But um, you can read through some things and, oh, such a pain, so tedious. It seems like overburden, doesn't it? Reading through all the genealogies and all the laws and things, but there are gems in it. Absolute gems, and uh, it's just wonderful if you if you plough through patiently all the pages of the Bible, you'll find those gems. Uh, just rejoice at that great spoil, and that's also a part of that whole uh, losing your life. It's like, oh, okay, it's it's difficult going through all these, these words and things. It takes effort, but hey, God's asked me to do it. I'm laying my life down. God told me to do this thing. I'm going to put the effort in to find these treasures that he tells me are here. And, uh, and what a joy it is like when, when you share that with other people. Like, oh, I was reading this thing. It's in this peculiar place in Numbers, whatever, chapter three and a half. And there's this amazing thing in there that, oh, I never saw that. with great spoil in there in what seemed like tedious overburden beforehand. Um, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. So Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Know ye not. In other words, make sure you know this fact. Know this fact, this fundamental fact. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death. Therefore, we are buried, present tense, we are buried with him, we are buried with Jesus Christ by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So I only actually realised 
that element in this verse uh, when I was putting these scriptures together. You know, it, it says, creates this analogy that Jesus Christ was crucified, he died, and he rose from the dead. Okay? Now, we look at it when we're baptised, we're buried with Christ, and just as Christ was raised from the dead, we'll be raised up to meet him in the air. But I realised what happened was Jesus died. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Forty days after that, he rose up into, uh, to be on the right hand of God. So what it says here, it says we're baptised in his death, And just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, even so we, today, also should walk in newness of life. It's like we've been raised from the dead, but still walking here on earth for the next 40 days. And then we wait to be raised up to uh, sit on the right hand of God. So that type that happened to Jesus is the same as us. After we're baptised in water and the spirit, we're now raised and we walk in newness of life. A whole new life, a whole new focus where we do lay our life down every day for Jesus Christ that he may give us life. Verse 5, for if we have been planted together in his likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, which we are looking forward to. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. What a wonderful liberty we dwell in. Through baptism, through receiving the Holy Spirit, we were crucified with him that our body of sin was destroyed, just as Jesus' body was destroyed. And, uh, and so we are now free from sin. It's just amazing. Um, that us in ourselves, we seem like we're the same person, don't we? And yet in the eyes of the Lord, we are completely different, completely different. We are free completely from sin. Verse 8, now if we be dead with Christ, we lay our life down every day, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Okay, and that's a type knowing that we also, we also have been raised uh, from the sinful death and we don't need to be re-baptised and die more and even uh, our spirit lives on when our flesh dies and, and, is, and turns to dust. Death hath no more dominion over him and us, you know. It, um, it doesn't need to rule our lives like it did once um, as... We've heard in testimony, like, we're not afraid of death. We're not afraid of death anymore. It doesn't rule us like it used to. Uh, There's still that uncertainty as to how we're going to die, but we still trust the Lord and, uh, and we don't have that fear, that dominion anymore. We look at it as a point where, hey, I get to see the Lord. I'll be asleep in Christ and when he returns, I'll be raised up. So it's this thing that uh, had rule over us, dominion over us, is now a point of liberty you know, and hope as well. It's amazing how the Lord's done that for us. 
For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's just amazing. That's what the good shepherd has done for us. That's what the good shepherd has done. He laid his life down for his sheep that we may recognise him as the good shepherd and follow him and a newness of life, a bright future, a, a life full of hope and joy and peace. Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. I'm going to read uh, some final passages of a couple of the Gospels. Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. So that's Luke chapter 24 and verse 44. Excuse me. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Jesus came to fulfill. Uh, the law, to fulfil all those things. And, uh, and he, he did. He accomplished, accomplished that. Verse 45. Then opened he their understanding. Okay? He uh, allowed them to comprehend what he's about to say, that they might understand the scriptures. And he expounded it. Uh, verse 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. It's written in the Psalms. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. These, the people he's talking to were eyewitnesses. They saw it. But all we also are witnesses, aren't we? Uh, we understand that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and because it's written in the Bible. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So Jesus Christ here has this shepherd hat on. Still, he's still their shepherd. He's like, right, I have died, fulfilled uh, the law of Moses and what's written in the Psalms and the prophets. It's all come together so beautifully uh, with Jesus' life and death and resurrection, and about that. and then the witnesses. But Jesus is still giving instruction. He's still giving instruction and saying, look, you must stay in Jerusalem until you be endued with power on high. Um, we'll go on to uh, John chapter 21. Because he knew they still needed that instruction. John chapter 20. And verse 21, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, because of course they were confused and frightened, as my father has sent me, even so send I you, you know, you'll go out and do these things as well. Verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. That emphasis that he wanted, he's given this instruction, Jesus has yet to be raised up, 
to sit on the right hand of God. He's still on earth. He's been risen from the dead. That's why he asked them to uh, look, just be at peace. And then here is this instruction, receive you the Holy Ghost. It's an instruction. And, uh, and he's breathed on, he breathed on them. There's that emphasis. Get the Holy Ghost. It's so important. Jesus is our shepherd. And he was the shepherd back then uh, in human form. And he's giving instruction over and over again and emphasising you must have this Holy Ghost. We heard before, read before that uh, he told them to stay in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. Here he says, make sure you get the Holy Ghost. We could add to that. Make sure you stay in Jerusalem and get this Holy Ghost. Um, Matthew chapter 28. He knows that human beings need these sorts of instructions, being a sheep, going astray without a shepherd. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He's our shepherd. He'll be raised up, taken from sight, you know, physical sight, and he's giving these instructions, right, you will then have to go out and teach others. Go out and teach others and baptising them uh, in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost, that reputation of the Father, the reputation of the Son and the Holy Ghost, the truth, the Spirit and the truth, and uh, commanded you, following his commandments, that, uh, that you do these things. And so this comes after. So he's saying, look, wait in Jerusalem, get the Holy Ghost, and then go and teach. Go and spread the word and baptise. And, uh, and he will still be with us. He will still be there uh, helping us with our teaching, helping us to follow his commandments. He'll be with us always, even till the end of the world, even till the end when the elements melt with fervent heat. Over to Acts chapter 1. He is the good shepherd. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He was there before as he's walking on earth. Uh, he had compassion on people because they were going astray. Even though he's worn out and he wanted a break, he knew he was the good shepherd. He had to put the effort in to, uh, to be there for his sheep. And now he's putting things in place so that he can work through the Spirit uh, when he's uh, up uh, in heaven. Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You read through the book of Matthew and as Jesus Christ in my Bible, it's highlight, uh, his words are highlighted in red and there's so many places where he starts his comments with, for the kingdom of heaven is 
thus. For the kingdom of heaven is this. And it says here, for the 40 days he was still speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He's still teaching. He's still guiding. He's still being the good shepherd, saying, no, not that, but this is of the kingdom of God. Verse 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. For John truly baptised with water, but ye shall be baptised with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. He's drawing the example of John, John the Baptist, and how that all works in the baptism of water and the Holy Ghost. You will get the Holy Ghost. It's a promise. He's the good shepherd. He's said that you will get it. Praise the Lord we understand this. And we'll go to, a, we'll finish up on Acts chapter 2 for completeness. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So Jesus Christ was encouraging them to stay in Jerusalem, wait for that power, wait for that spirit, that Holy Ghost. They invariably didn't quite know how it was going to manifest and they spoke in tongues. They are now filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there are people questioning what's going on. And this revelation of Peter will go to uh, verse 38. And so Peter understood He must have had this uh, concentrated download at this point to understand this point in time in history and what it meant. And like, okay, it's all coming together. Jesus Christ was the good shepherd. He was guiding us and teaching us about the kingdom of God. And he was saying these things that didn't quite make sense. And then he was saying things that made sense. And he, he was telling us to stay in Jerusalem. And we're like, okay, for this power, okay, we'll stay there and we'll wait for this. Still not sure. And okay, Jesus Christ said he was the good shepherd. He said he'll be with us always, but he's not. He's, he, he, we saw him raised up and dwelling in heaven. How is he to be with us always and be our good shepherd? And so, but then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, realises that, hey, look, this good shepherd now dwells in a people. He now dwells in us. He's with us always. It's not as though uh, we... We go off and uh, we go to work or something and Jesus Christ has to go and do his preaching over there. No, we take him with us always. He's with us always. This amazing treasure that's in us. The, uh, we understand so much. He has not left us and he wants to continue to guide us. He wants to continue to guide us on the path. We may swagger around all over the place. He's like, no, he wants to bring us back. He wants to continue with that. And with this amazing revelation that Peter had, this download, he realised, right, it's my job now. It's my job as Peter to, uh, to speak the oracles of God, to, uh, to, to allow people the opportunity to follow the good shepherd. And he comes with this amazing inspiration, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the born-again experience. Praise the Lord. 
It makes sense. And then go on and continue, as the Good Shepherd asked, to lay our lives down for him. Lay our lives down daily. Find out what the Lord wants us to do. Uh, Search out the scriptures. Keep at it. Keep turning the pages. Find new things, new gems, new pearls, uh, great spoil. And, uh, and then encouraged continually to, uh, to go about and be witnesses, be that light in a dark place, so that others may also know about the kingdom of God and know the joy and the peace and the comfort that we also do. Okay, thank you.